Welcome to Under the Magnifier, where some legally blind people discuss our favorite books, TV shows, and movies. This is episode 9, and Darkhood is going to be talking about Andor episode 6. There will be spoilers for Andor the TV series and Rogue One. We will be discussing Easter eggs in the show that link to other movies and making references to some of the Legends books. Andor episode 6, though, right? Yeah, this is episode 6. Oh, the name of it is The Eye. Oh, the eye. Oh, that harks me back to Rising Storm when he was calling that dude the eye. Oh, yeah. I guess that's what it's a reference to, is it's the eye of the storm right now? Well, it's also, there's a uh, astronomical event that's happening in the sky. It's a thing that all the Alderhanis and, I guess, Imperials also come there in like a little vacation kind of deal. Oh, yeah. But also, they're there working. It's kind of like one of them things where, oh, you get a posting here where you get to see the event that happens. I think it was every three or seven years, something like that, it happens. I remember that because that guy was like, oh, so y'all don't want to actually work. Okay, that'll be less people on the wall then. <laughs> I guess that's why they synced it up with this like they planned that shit i know that's what you've been doing is introducing new characters i assume this is the highest episode so do they introduce anybody new in this one as far as new they have two new bad guys one is the engineer and his name is i believe forget or i'm probably saying it wrong but yeah i believe that's what it is all i could think of is those memes that are like i am pregante yeah And uh, other than that, just uh, the Commandant, he's here, and then he's gone. He dies about halfway through, just about, or a little bit over halfway through. He has limited stuff in the beginning here and there where he's talking and stuff. Do we have a kill count for this one? <laughs> oh, yeah. This is quite a few of them go down. Quite a few. Even uh, the guy that I, I'm still looking for, even now, which is kind of why I'm a little bit scattered on it. I'm watching him right now, shooting alongside with Skurn, and I believe Skurn might wind up shooting him. I'm not sure but as far as newer characters it's just the engineer imperial engineer and you got the commandant which i haven't caught his name sounds like he's kind of gonna be like the chief yeah he pretty much ahead. yeah they never gave the chief's name yeah they're a little bit uh mysterious better i'm just not because this is a lot going on and a whole lot of action and it's hard to keep track of everybody yeah for sure especially in action scenes it's like uh i think that's that person but then you know they put on the armor and they all look alike <laughs> yeah and this especially on Star Wars, there's not so much shooting and stuff. Well, I mean, they're shooting, but it's not like on regular stuff where, oh, it's a bullet firing and maybe there's a little flash. you got a laser beam that's flashing across screen. Yeah, there's like pew, pew. Kind of blurring out the scene so you can't see what else is going on. Star Wars should have a strobing light warning. Yeah. <laughs> the other new, he's not new, but he is now a notable one, is Corporal Kinsey? K-I-M-Z-I. <laughs> Kimsey? Oh, yeah, I would say Kimsey. Yeah. So he's like someone we've seen before, but now he's named. Yeah, he is the guy who was on the bridge who showed up by Lieutenant Gorn, who was kind of bad-mouthing the Durhanis. And I was just like, yeah, he's probably going to be one that shows up and gets taken out quick. Well, it turns out he is not one that got taken out quick. He is the one who blew the whistle on the whole thing. He winds up being, which almost should have been a clue, because he had these headsets around his neck. So he's like communications guy. Well, it turns out that was their main thing was to shut down all communication on the base. So no one would know what was going on. They would just be like, oh, communications went down because of the event. Oh, yeah. Well, this guy got suspicious because, you know, certain little things were out of place. 
So he went to a station and he's tuning his stuff and checking frequencies and trying to find a way to get through. He stumbles across them going, Echo, Echo, you know, the rebel call signs, one of the famous call signs, which is a little Easter egg in here. Ooh. Because, you know, you have Echo Squad and the call sign is also used quite a few times in other movies just for different teams, fighting forces and stuff. And then he stumbles across that and then is like, wait a minute, this ain't normal. Plus they're talking about the vault being you know breached and stuff and they got so much time and all so he goes and gets other people you know runs off to go get other imperials because there's no one around him at the time it's a skeleton crew right now because of the event which lieutenant gorn made sure would happen so he goes and runs off to go get some more guys and brings them back to take and then go confront them down in the vault which starts off the firefight terramen been trying to find out what happens to him because you see him when they go into the vault he goes in with them they threaten the commandant and then they go into i believe it's the communications room after that they take the elevator and they go up to another area and he's he goes up there with them and then it even shows them going in which i had just seen them going into where the shuttle is and he's standing on the other side of the hatch these big uh bulkhead hatch deals that drop down and all mm -hmm. he's standing on the other side of the corridor from skern and that's where i'm kind of thinking at one point i'm pretty sure i saw him on a catwalk and all and he looks at skern and skern looked at him and i think he shot in that direction instead of at the bad guys but then turned the shot at the bad guys but i'm not entirely sure so that guy is actually on the rebel side and you think they got some friendly fire going on? Well, no, I think Skern might have just been taking out somebody who would have, you know, he just made a whole nother share for himself by taking out a partner. Oh. Kind of thing. And he figured he could just get away with it with the firefight and just be like, oh, somebody shot him. Yeah, because everybody else was under fire and I'm pretty sure he probably thought they couldn't see or something, but I'm not entirely sure. But to start this one off, let me go to the beginning because uh, I will figure that out either on the way or we have a mystery he has either snuck off and abandoned them at some point or they left him behind because after the firefight and the shit takes off that's it I, I did not see him at all after that like you see Senta in the room still with where the mother and the daughter is of the commandants being held hostage you see them in the ship taking off and all and going through what they're going through in the ship but that's it it switches from the ship to her in the room to the ship and then her walking away from the room which is also another crazy thing did she kill Commandant's wife and child or did she leave them there and she looked like a hard ass who might have just been like the only way I'm gonna get away is just to kill them and leave you know, I'm thinking she might have but I don't know I've already been wrong about so many of these people <laughs> like Skern I thought he was gonna befriend Andor or you know vice versa and their common ground that they had but it appears not because by the end of this he shoots him it's another little easter egg right, that's kind of in here that's you know or a funny meme that everybody is gonna throw around is that han solo with greedo who shot first well <laughs> with andor and skern andor shot first <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> He's talking to Skurn, and Skurn's telling him what he wants to do, which at that point, you know, is pretty crappy. And so, Andor, you can tell he's, like, getting a little stiffer. Like, he's getting angry, but he's not trying to show it. And then all of a sudden, I mean, quick as lightning, he, the gun's out, pow, and Skurn's dead. Damn. While Skurn's still talking, like, he's still talking, he's just like, uh, 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 dead. <laughs> 
it. He did not even see it coming. Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the spoilers. That's why I kind of made that little, that vague part about how all that happens. Because we don't go over that here in a minute. But we starting off, they are in camp, sitting around. And this is after the last episode where they kind of found out who Andor is. They now know he's a mercenary. He's here for the money and that's it. And then afterwards, he's gone. And the little guy, Mimic, was, I guess, a little, uh, I guess, frustrated by it. And so he couldn't go to sleep. So he stays up writing, which is what he does. He writes the little manifest thing for the rebels and stuff. And so he was like, he wrote about him and he wrote about, you know, his thoughts and stuff. And I guess he came to the conclusion that the rebels should use mercenaries because they should use, you know, any tool they can possible to free the galaxy since, you know, the Empire is so willing to use any tool at their disposal to destroy the galaxy. Yeah. Kind of like he's trying to rationalize it because I guess he sees that Andor isn't that bad. You know, he is a mercenary, but I guess he sees something in him and that's kind of like what he's trying to go over the morality and stuff of it. There's no real victory, I guess, there for Nimic. He just gets kind of frustrated. <laughs> yeah, and I can see that because he doesn't know Andor, so he has no idea of Andor is just in it for the money or if maybe he was already wanting to fight for good but he needed that little bit of a push so he's trying to rationalize it because I mean I could see why he would have trouble rationalizing it because apparently before he showed up they were all just like scrounging for food and shit yeah he's been around rebels not you know someone who had other ideas which I think is what he's trying to grasp with and that's kind of what Andor just confronted him with Nimic tells him that we shouldn't take things you know as they are and he's trying to tell him that that's what the rebels are about you shouldn't just take it lying down Andor kind of gets up in his face and is like, do I look like I'm just taking it to you kind of thing? And, and he's just like, mm, shakes his head, no. <laughs> Back and down kind of thing. Because Andor, he's your typical loner, almost like Boba Fett, but not quite like Boba Fett. He doesn't want a cause or anything. He's just, he's there for the money and to protect himself and get out alive. But that's one of the big things that's going to happen at the end of this episode. By the end of this, I think that that's going to change. His whole attitude, I think, is going to change, and he is going to wind up in these next couple of episodes becoming a rebel after what happens with Nimic and him. But right now, we go on to the next scene, hmm. where uh, this is where the Commandant and the Engineer, the Imperial Engineer, comes into play, and they're just talking about the Alderhani down in the little dried-up river bed that they've been worshipping at this temple and stuff, and also to see this event that happens. I mean, they don't worship about the tumble anymore. I don't think so. It's pretty much ruined at this point. It's just a little little speck of rocks and stuff that's sticking out, almost like it was the top of a temple. <laughs> yeah, from what I've heard though, it sounds like they destroyed most of the Aldehani, so there's probably not many of them left to worship at all. They probably did in the beginning. They probably killed a lot of them, but they've also, the Empire on this, they show their slick side of how they just ruin a culture just from, not even through their, their military, but just through manipulation. Because with they do is at first they've moved all of those people down south away from this area away from this base into a factory area where they can get jobs and stuff and they can make money and have more conveniences so a lot of them winded up moving down there just because of that it's the kind of situation you know where they starve them out of one area and force them to move to another area they're basically trying to like destroy their culture yep. make them just faceless worker bees 
And then with this, they're coming to see the eye. And it's usually thousands that come. And what they're talking about in this room, overlooking the dry riverbed, he's bragging pretty much to the engineer, telling him that you don't have to worry about all the people that usually show up on these because he's supposed to be there to look into building, I guess, a newer, better base there. And they're going to tear down the one that they have. And the commandant, he's going, what we've done is pretty ingenious. Along the route that these people walk, to get there along this mountain, they put comfort stations and inns and brothels and all of this to slow them down. And he goes and what started out as a couple of tens of thousands or something like that is now dwindled to just under a thousand. I think it was like I think it might even been less than that. It was probably like a hundred or something like that. But Jeez. yeah, it's stuff like that. They do just to ruin a culture because then they're not going. They're not going to do that. They're not going to see it. And are they going to do that the next time in another three to seven years when that happens again? You know, over time they ruin it. Yeah, because some of them are going to be like, well, I could go to the thing I've seen a couple dozen times, or I could just go to this brothel. Yeah, yeah, it worked out last time. <laughs> but yeah, they do that kind of slick thing to uh pretty much ruin it and this commandant is a piece of work he's talking to lieutenant gorn telling him about it and like how he didn't want any more people to be there i guess than normal and he's trying to show off to the engineer but gorn is like trying to tell him that we have everything in place and stuff and he's just like i want it perfect i want that word ringing in your ears perfect (laughs) okay you sound like a dick (laughs) he's a very chubby kind of guy so i mean he's the kind of the dude that seems like he does not lift a finger in the military he's one of the parents paid his way up or something like that Mm -hmm. or got a lucky break because of someone in the military already kind of thing like he didn't work his way up from the bottom especially with what happens in this episode okay spoiler ahead of all of this for just for this thing is that he has a heart attack just from pushing a cart around so (laughs) he he has not worked very hard in his life oh come up it's you don't even get a good death yeah (laughs) and these carts are not like nowadays cars with wheels these are hover carts so i mean come on guy wow <laughs> i can't move something that doesn't weigh anything it's too much work yeah, it's floating <laughs> on air oh god oh my god <laughs> So he he wasn't having a heart attack. That's why I say I wasn't even really worried about his name because he's gone after this episode. So, but after that part, they're back on the trail and they're making their way. The two teams, which they're set up now, which is Senta and Val, which is one team. It's two girls, and then Andor, Nimic, Skern, and Terramin on the other team. They're walking through the hills to get there. In the this is where you find out that Terramin is a stormtrooper oh because they're marching along and terramin is giving orders like come on pick it up move it and andor finally turns to skern and goes he really likes to give orders doesn't he and skern goes they didn't tell you and andor stops and looks at him and goes tell me what because he was an ex-stormtrooper he used to be a stormtrooper and so andor looks at him and it's just like hmm <laughs> yeah just a little bit bigger of a thing than uh me being a mercenary y'all have an enemy soldier <laughs> now works for y'all yeah <laughs> it's almost what i'm thinking going through his head and y'all gave me shit oh mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah he's a stormtrooper was a stormtrooper so and that's the other thing that that's kind of got me thinking that skirm might have shot him because he he could have also thought that he could have got away with it because he yeah, stormtrooper. So be like, mm, I was just getting him out of the way. Yeah, he could have claimed like, oh, but he pointed the gun at me first. He was betraying us or some shit. Yeah, 
He's a, he was a stormtrooper. I hate the tribute. So kind of what I figured. And they're just marching along. He's kind of lagging back watching them. And then uh, after that, it goes to Senta and Val in their little like stone bunker that they got set up nearby. And at this point, the meteor shower deal for the eye is starting. And you just see these big old meteors just go flying by. And it almost looks like little rocket trails. You see like a little glowing rock. just And they're in this bunker getting their equipment, pulling it all out and getting it ready. And at the same time, over on the Imperial side, the uh, engineer is doing his little surveying deal and he sees it, the meteor, and he turns, he finds Lieutenant Gorn going by and asks him if everything's set up, are they going to be able to see the show and all of this? And he goes not to worry, everything will be in order. And it's a lot of little quick cuts right here just to get set up into the part. I guess a lot of their action stuff, mm -hmm. because they have so many different teams and people doing different stuff in different areas, they have to cut a lot. Yeah, they're setting up like establishing shots so you know where everybody is when the shit goes down. Yeah, with the firefighting and all that breaks out. <laughs> Which even then, as you can tell with Terraman, I mean, you can kind of follow all of it, but with him, I don't know. Which I'll probably find out by the end of this. If not, he's going to be our mystery guy. But is he going to show up later and yeah. betray them or wind up helping them behind the scenes some kind of way? <laughs> yeah, you never know. Maybe Scorm and him planned it or some shit. Like, yeah, maybe. Might be some weird twist. But now we're we're in the mountains. They're near like a little, looks like a little radio tower. And there's other Imperials waiting for these older honey to come down, I guess, closer to the base. And this is where the other team meets up with... The other Imperials, like they're waiting on either side of them. And as the older honey go by, they're going to group up behind them and just be like, I guess, as a rear guard and follow them oh, yeah. back all the way to the base. Kind of like as a show to we're going to protect you, but also don't step out of line <laughs> kind of thing <laughs> because yeah. we're behind you. <laughs> so... And now the older honey, they're just, they're walking down the road with the first set of guards, which they'll then meet up with the other guys. But as that's happening and they're showing them walking, it flips over to uh, Val and Senta and they're in their little rock hideout. And unfortunately, the Imperial guards that are supposed to be meeting up with them, I believe, I think it's the one that's meeting up with them. He has had to take a potty break and has walked over to their rock and started to people. Oh. <laughs> and you see these two girls kind of peek out the window and one of them just turns away and it's just like, oh. And the other one's just like, mm, and they lean back. Like, we don't want to walk like this. Really? <laughs> I really do. Out of all the rocks, you could have picked the peel. <laughs> <laughs> you had to come by ours. So then they walk away. They finally both the teams are, they show them both together. And they're walking the older hunt. Well, not both, you know, the good guy teams. It's the aerial ones. Yeah. As the honor guards, they start walking them back to the base. And it just shows a little clip of them, like, making looks at one another. Like, this is it, y'all. Tighten up. If you fuck up now, we're dead. After that, you have a quick cut to the uh, Commandant. And this is the one big thing that you have with them. I mean, the most dialogue that you have with him, his wife, and his kid. And he's in there pretty much being like a Commandant, I guess you could say. He, he's trying to tell them all, everything must be perfect. You have to wear this, wear that, do this, don't slouch, all of this. He's looking at his kid and giving him a hard time, I guess. And the mother, she goes, he's not feeling well, you know, touches his head and he's hot. 
hot and stuff, trying to tell him to take it easy on him. And he's just like, he's always ill. If you want to get out of here, get the transfer. We got to make this engineer happy. So he gets back to Coruscant and he can get a new station somewhere in a better place. Because I guess <laughs> they don't like the atmosphere of this planet. Because it does look like it's a... Uh, it don't look like it would be comfortable to uh, live on. I mean, they all have heavy coats. Real heavy coats. It's always... It almost looks like England, actually. Kind of like England, how it's real misty and foggy all the time. Yeah. And everything looks like it has, like, mossy kind of grass on all the rocks and everything. It's kind of like that. Like, everything would be sticky and wet. <laughs> Almost, almost small. And cold, I guess, if you're wearing a coat. <laughs> but after uh, she tells him that this has got to work out, you know, if we want to get out of here. And then it cuts back to the uh, Alderhani's outside. They've arrived at the base. The Alderhani stop at the front of it. They're introduced to Lieutenant Gorn. He lets them through. The good guys come in behind them. And then the other team of Imperials, they come in behind the good guys. I believe is how they had it set up. Oh, so they're like sandwiched in the middle. It cuts so much. They showed them walking, and I believe that's how they had them set up. But now they cut to another scene, and the rebel team of Imperials is lined up on the side of the road, and the other ones are standing with the uh, all their honeys, or they're not even there right now, but they're standing on the side kind of talking to one another. And uh, Terramin is just like tighten up because Nimic was trying to talk to Endor in the line so none of that yeah he's trying to keep them in line because they can't act like just you know the rebel forces they got to be uptight sticking about after that part it cuts to lieutenant gorn who's setting up his troops it's pretty much the same area but they're showing him i guess it's not even a cut they just start paying attention to him more than the team and he's setting up the other guard and telling them pretty much where they're going to be stationed and all and that they should just stand there keep their mouth shut and keep an eye on them kind of deal while they do their thing and then he goes back up the hill and andor and them i guess they get in their position which is pretty much just they shuffled around to the other side of the thing and they're still all four standing next to one another so i guess they're guarding another piece of ground on the other side of it together they didn't really spread out but after that it cuts back to them with lieutenant gorn now meeting up with the commandant in i guess it would be his quarters with his wife and kids and now they're finally ready and they're coming out getting ready to do an Aldahani ceremonial, I guess a ceremonial thing that they do with the Imperials to kind of show, I guess, respect, but not so much because it's it's a thing they have to do and they both kind of are doing it begrudgingly. You, you can tell through the body language and also what the Imperial guy says, but mm -hmm. he's carrying like a bundle of furs, not like a real big bundle. It's almost just like the kind of like a bolt of cloth you would get from the store. He's got a Lieutenant Gorn carrying that for him while they go meet them. While they're going, it cuts over to the other team, the two girls climbing up the dam to get into their position. I believe it's the dam because I mean, it's a big stone structure, but they're climbing up. Yeah, they're climbing up something. Yeah, they're climbing up that and then it cuts to team back down in the valley again. <laughs> Got too many cuts, but they're back down there and finally the commandant is down there with Lieutenant Gorn, his family, and he is just meeting the team of rebels. Like he walks up to him and Lieutenant Gorn 
introduces in Tulum saying it's the team from the Alkinzian Air Base, which is on the, the Southern Factory Zone, I believe. I'm not entirely sure, but it's far from here, far enough away that they can't get in touch with them. Yeah, because Gorn knows who they are. Yeah, he tells them that's where they're from, and so he goes, okay, just make sure that they're, you know, prepped and ready for what's going to happen and everything and get them down there. And so they walk off to go do the ceremony. While they're doing a ceremony, it goes back to Senta and Val, and they're on the dam doing their little thing, getting ready, sneaking around, and it cuts from there. As soon as they finally are on the dam base, it looks like. Now, it goes back to Gorn and the Commandant, and they're finally doing their thing with the Alder Hani. His son comes up holding the furs. I guess Lieutenant Gorn gave it to him. He comes up, gives it to his dad. He hands it to the chief. The chief one-handedly, I mean, without even looking away, just takes it, gives it to the guy next to him, grabs the other piece one-handed and just hands it over to the commandant, which is what I mean by the body language. He just looks like, give me it, give it to him, let's go. Mm-hmm. Get out of here, Imperials. And we already know the commandants already said a couple of times, let's just get this over with. <laughs> yeah, it's like they're doing it, but nobody involved thinks anything of the other people. Yeah, they're just like, this is just a formality. As long as you're not killing us, just get this over, get out of here. We're, we're done. <laughs> Let us watch our damn meteor shower. Mm-hmm. Leave us in peace. And then uh, from there, it goes to the team Val and Senta. They're on the dam, and they're in place for the heist to begin. And the other team is in position, and they're asking her, we're ready, or we go. And she is just, she's showing her... I guess you could say her noobishness of being a leader of a team. Oh, she's got nerves. Yeah, what Lothan was telling her, like, in the beginning, if you want to be a leader, this is what you have to do. Well, you, now you're kind of seeing that she's she might not be exactly cut out to be a leader or that she is really new to it because, yeah, she's looking real worried and just looking off in the distance like, what do I do? What do I do? And and Senta even gets to the point where she's just like, Val, you know, like, you gotta do something. And she's, okay, go. And so the decision is finally made after Senta has to intervene. And they go. They just say, there you go. And then it cuts back to the Commandant down with Alderhani. And Lieutenant Gorn is translating for the Alderhani, telling him that, you know, thank you for this and you know, their little greeting stuff. And the Commandant is just like, okay, just tell him thank you, you know, and we'll bless him with, with us leaving or something like that. I forget <laughs> how exactly he says it, but it's like a flippant way he says it. But yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll grace him with the abs that's what it is we'll grace him with the absence of our presence <laughs> it's like okay guy which the dude's probably like yes please yeah, yeah, just get the heck out <laughs> but then <laughs> he finally leaves and then the older honey this is funny they uncover their little pit at the center of this temple thing and they all gather around and the chief goes over there and he grabs a fur and just holds it way up in his hand and says something and then throws it into the pit and it burns so I imagine it's the one the Imperials probably gave him. And he's just like, you know what? This is what I think it is. We're done with that. So let's get on with ours. This is what I think of their cheap bullshit store-bought gift. Yeah. And so then uh, it cuts to them starting their deal after he burns it. Quickly cuts to the Commandant and the team along with Lieutenant Gorn. I believe Lieutenant Gorn's with him, isn't it? Yeah, Lieutenant Gorn was with him up until the point they get into the base. And I think he stopped outside and was supposed to go do something. But they went in along with the team and now 
they're holding guns on them, and he's like, "Oh, just a second, they go in, they pull their guns." Yeah, like right after they shut the. I'm trying to think of the word that they say for it, but all I can think of is bulkhead because that's pretty much what it is. It's a big steel, durasteel doors that shut. They call them shutters, don't they? Well, no, they call them something else in here. I forget the Star Wars term Do for they? it. Yeah, it's. I remember them referring to stuff like that as shutters sometimes in the old movies, but I mean, they might have they might have a separate word for it. Yeah, I think might have changed it now. I can't think of it at the moment, but I'm just going to call it bulkheads because everybody will know what that is. But it's the big Durasteel doors and it slams down. Not really slams. It closes slowly. But after it closes, the guns come out and the commandant's like, what is this? What is this? And the goofy engineer who is from Coruscant thinks that, you know, he is, I'm an Imperial soldier. He whips out a pistol and tries to save the boy and is like, let the boy go. Just let, let the boy go. And he's, you know, standing up straight, like no fear, holding the pistol pistol on uh, Endor, and then out of a, a hatch on the side, Senta and them comes in, and she just immediately, pop, shoots him, he falls over, but fires around on the side, uh, past the side of his head into the wall, and so it's kind of like, jeez, woman, you tell in that <laughs> moment, she's badass, she's just like, well, hmm, pow, I took out the problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, it missed you? Well, bonus. I wasn't too worried about that. <laughs> yeah, like she, the cause comes first with her. Like you can tell if, if you're in a life-threatening situation, she might leave you just to uh, get the mission done. <laughs> if she doesn't have to take you out to make sure the mission gets done. Like she is serious. He's like, come over here, my meat shield. Yeah. But then uh, from there, the Imperials, I think at this point, they pretty much realize that they're serious. And so it cuts real quick from there. You get a little cut to the Alder Hani and they're in full celebration mode now like they've got the fire pit going and they got these sparkler things that go in and they're dancing and stuff and then it cuts real quick back to them right outside the vault and uh well i don't think this is outside the vault i think this is actually the uh this like the elevator to get there but she's telling him that he knows how to get into the vault and he keeps telling her that he doesn't have the way to get into the vault that it's the alkenzie air base that has to get into the vault and she's just like we know we know the whole process we know how the vault opens and that you can do it and he still doesn't really relent but then she walks back and kind of turns around and Senta is in the back of the corridor with his kid and I don't think that's no that's not the wife that's someone else but they they're on their knees and she's got one of those like AK blasters it looks like because these aren't like they don't look like the traditional ones it seems like they tried to go for a more modern kind of look our kind of weapons mixed with blasters anyway she's holding it to his back and she turns around and she She's just like, if we don't win, everyone dies here, you know? So you better let us win kind of thing. And Senta even pokes, I uh, believe, the kid in the back to kind of make the point when they finally shut the door. Yeah, the wife is there too. She, she's kind of off camera a little bit to the right of the kid. Couldn't see her on the first part. I don't know who the other guy is who's tied up. Probably just another random worker that was there. Yeah, but then uh, from there, <laughs> after those convincing threats and someone getting shot, it goes to our guy we talked <laughs> about earlier who has become now more of a, a character that we can follow i forget his name because his name is so weird 
it was Corporal Kimmitz? Yeah. Yeah. Kimsey. Kimsey, yeah, with the ZI. Yeah. He is now at his station because he doesn't know what's going on and he's trying to figure out what's going on. He's pushing buttons and turning dials and stuff. And then after, you know, he looks up like, what's going on? He doesn't really say anything. It's just a lot of moving buttons and then he just gives a look into the camera and then it switches quickly over to where the commandant, I guess, was going to have a little reception kind of thing or something for the engineer to try to impress him because he's just got the attendants when they come through the door who are setting out food and all in these uh, dishes and everything. And so they put them against the wall and threaten them. And that's Terramin. And I believe, uh, I believe Skurn is with him when they're doing that. At the same time, Andor and I think it's Nimic is with him at the communication station right nearby. Not communication station, but I mean like a room pretty much. That is where all the communications is. And they threaten them and tell them to get away from it. And at the same time, we go back to uh, Val and them. And they're getting them all loaded into, I believe it's an elevator or something, to get into the uh, vault where the ship is. And so they they all cram into there. Pretty much the whole team. They all come from the other the communication station and all that. And they cram in there. And they're moving on to the next stage. Cut quickly back to all their honeys in the valley. And they're celebrating even more. And the chief's like raising his little staff up, getting them hyped up and everything. And they kind of keep doing that back and forth every once in a while. But it cuts quickly from there. And the whole group is now up in the communication station kind of area of the base with Andor. And she's telling the commandant that the comms are out. So no one can hear you. And she's just like, if you argue with us, if you stall or try to play us in any way, they all die. Talking about the kid, the wife and the hostages and everyone else, much I guess, that they can kill. Yeah. You know, kind of a threat. Like they'll take everyone else out as many as they can. And guess who's, you know, first. <laughs> yeah. We'll take them all with us. Yeah. yeah. We're going down. We're taking them all with us. So you better, you better shape up. Yeah. And then the next scene after that is a, another scene with her about her leadership it almost would seem like if the rebels had sent her that you can see why senta is with her because if they sent her as the leader and also Senta with her, then you can see why they did it because she's kind of like fla almost floundering a little bit. Like she goes to Senta, turns around to her, wants the commandant's out, and she's like, tell me everything's going to be okay, which is also another surprise. I'm pretty sure when Skurn had said in a previous episode that her bed was already taken, talking about Senta, it's got to be Val. It's Senta and Val as a pair. That would be nice to actually see some kind of same-sex yeah. representation. I'm pretty sure because of the way they, she keeps turning to her for comfort and all. I'm pretty sure that's where it is. Because there's no one else that talks to Senta except for maybe Terramin. He turns to her sometimes and is like, is he telling the truth? Or did she, you know, something like that? But it's not like these two. Like when she turned to her and she's almost like watery eyes and she's like, tell me it's going to be okay. Tell me everything's going to work out. And Senta is just like, you know, almost deadpan kind of like mm -hmm. yeah and you can kind of tell from Senta's attitude that she wouldn't put up with somebody like that like yeah. she would be like dude grow some balls mm -hmm. you know so for her to even like comfort her they must have some kind of relationship yeah but that's going on and after she's just like you know yeah then Senta says about the only thing she does on that part she's just like go and just nods her head towards the door and so then Val runs to go out the big doors at the back <laughs> the bulkheads and you get a scene of her 
her running on the corridor kind of in the background to go through the doors and the team's all back there but in the front here on the main part of the screen i guess you call the foreground right yeah foreground in the foreground you've got the wife the son and then the, i believe the two communication officers on either side of them that are left in the room with Cinta alone <laughs> and the rest of them go off. That's one of the parts that is going to come in later that I have uh, my opinions on that you don't get to see what happens because you don't get to see what happens to those people in that room. But now after that, the guy who was in the tower, Kimsey, he has realized the comms are out and he's running down the dam to get to the next stormtrooper or Imperial. And there's a guard on the wall who happens to be walking in and he yells to him, there must be something wrong with the comms. And the Imperial yells to him that they're out. And then uh, he says that the line which is kind of weird i think he says the line to the alkenzie base is still open so i mean they could i guess communicate with alkenzie base but there's nothing to communicate they don't know what's going on yeah like the, the line is open but no one's responding so they're like maybe something's going on yeah which i mean in a way it almost makes sense to do that because then you could kind of play it off as well, we didn't black out all the communication. It's got to be something in the base. Something in the base went wrong. Something got fried, which is kind of what all these other people are probably thinking because there's no no one else is worried about it but this one guy, Kimmons. And so he's still looking around, but the team and the commandant and all, they have now moved through the building and are going through these corridors and all down towards the bay where the ship is. And they come in just forcefully. Terramin's in the front, the commandant's in the middle, and the other three guys are at the other three corners you know around him surrounding him one on each corner and he's just comes in barking orders everybody up inspection get uh in line blah, 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 blah. and these guys all these imperials who are working these mechanics and stuff they were playing probably sabak their version of cards and they jump up <laughs> and run to get into line well that was all what they wanted them to do because as soon as they all stand up and get into line <laughs> thinking that it's an inspection the whole team raises their guns and runs toward them and it's like stay where you are stay where you are and they spread out a couple of them go to the ship some of them go towards the uh the loot and i believe it's val stays with the commandant but uh they're getting everything covered Andor goes into the ship with uh nimitz and skern he's checking the imperials like the ones that are the mechanics and all searching them making sure they don't have weapons taking the weapons all patting them down yeah patting them down and then kneels them down and then this is one of the last good times I've seen Terraman. Although there's another one where he was in the corridor, but he throws Skurn a big blaster rifle, one of the, the big ones that you see uh, sand troopers use on uh, a New Hope, I believe it is. And uh, he catches it in the air and starts threatening the Imperials, telling them you better get up, you know, and move, get the stuff onto the ship fast. And then Terraman, he goes to the commandant and pretty much brings him to the vault and got his hand on the thing to open it, and he's just going through all i guess the sequences to do it the vault door opens he runs in and then has to do these two other switches on either side to unlock all the stuff and it, i don't know why because it, it looks like they just blew it i guess he must have put explosives on the switches or something because it just explodes the little deals that are holding these i guess which is their version of money but it's like in these weird rolls almost like rolls of carpet but it's not carpet it's like metal and you can see the stuff clinging on it 
their grab in these big roles and bringing them into the ship. I wonder if they're robbing for money or resources, because maybe it's some kind of resource that the Rebel Army needs. Oh, I think it's some version of money, but I mean, with Star Wars, there's a lot of different stuff it could be. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it could be some kind of weapon or armor or something like that that they could use. Well, no, I mean, it's definitely some kind of coinage, but I mean, I don't know what kind it is. Like, they use so many different kinds. Like, just in Mandalore, you have their Imperial coins, Calamari, and uh, the little gel-like weird coins. And then uh, the Rebels have their own coin. Plus, every planet has their own coin. So, I mean, it could be Alder Honey coins that they've been stealing from the Alder Honey people or something. You know, hoarding from them or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly. Because, I mean, the, the Empire, I'm pretty sure, uses, like, at least in the books, they use these chip things. I heard they use, like, chips or credit. Yeah, it was like a chip deal with credit. And you put money onto this... And it would be like you could have a credit chip for a thousand imperial credits and you would just put it into whatever, like our credit cards pretty much. Is, but the newer stuff, I think they went more towards using some metal currencies in some situations and stuff. But that's a bit of a fuzzy area there. <laughs> so Yeah, all we know is that they want this and it's important enough to be in a vault. So it's got to be something important. Yeah, I mean, it's metal. It don't look. It doesn't look like it's a weapon. Cause I mean, they got so many of them, and they're stacked on the walls and stuff. Well, I was thinking like it might be raw materials or something that they would need. But I mean, whatever it is, it's important, and they're gonna take it. Yeah, yeah, they want it, and the Empire will have it. <laughs> but then uh, from there, they cut quick to uh, the older honey still celebrating. It's like just a quick cut. They're starting to chant. The meteor shower is still kind of getting started, and it's a quick cut to Lieutenant Gorn. He's just like casually making his way back down catwalks towards the vault and all. Well, you don't know at this point where he's going. He's kind of just casually walking down corridors and the lights are all on, but then all of a sudden, all power goes out on the base everywhere. Uh-oh. And so he just reaches down and gets his little like portable light thing and flicks it on and continues walking like nothing happened. <laughs> but then it quickly cuts over to uh, Kimsey, who is now pretty much, you know, something is going on. Full panic mode. Yeah, he's running along the thing with the other guy. They got lights on. They're going to find out. He's got a little team together and he's move, let's go, let's go. And they're uh, running down the uh, dam towards the staircase and they start heading down. The rest of them, and this is a funny part here that I, I told you about earlier, where uh, Endor is, he's sitting there with his rifle pointing at these Imperials, moving them, the credits and all of the resources and he's like, come on, move, move. And this big guy starts moving slow and he shoves him with the rifle and kind of shoves him to the side and the big guy kind of like turns and looks at him like, I'm gonna fuck you up. And like, you know, real serious face. Like, I ain't afraid of you, dude. <laughs> and I'm just thinking right then, oh, if you're really, if you really want this money and you're willing to kill for it, you might want to just shoot that guy because he's going to do something. He's an imperial soldier and uh, he seems like he set his mind into stopping you. <laughs> right. And I mean, Andor kind of made a mistake there touching it with the gun because yeah. that just puts it within arm's reach of the dude to grab it and disarm him. Mm -hmm. These people are probably way more, you know, experienced with these weapons than you are. Yeah, He's a big guy and he's military so i mean he's been trained and besides the just the body 
language, it kind of seems like Andor kind of backs down a little bit. Like, you know, he he shoves him with it and then he's holding it on him and the guy turns and looks at him. But then, you know, I mean, any other, I would imagine, show where the guy was really serious and they were going to kill that dude, if he turned and looked at them like that, they'd have gave him the butt of the rifle or something, you know? Yeah. They would have probably hit him again and been like, move it. Whereas he just kind of like stood there and just kept holding the rifle on him until the guy finally slowly turned back and grabbed the thing and started moving it. And it's kind of like, you just gave him a victory because you you let him go slow. <laughs> mm-hmm. If that dude was testing you, you definitely failed that test because he wanted to see what you would do and mm-hmm. you were just all bark and no bite. Yeah, so now he kind of, if I was that Imperial, I'd be like, hmm, if I rush this dude, he's going to second guess. I might be able to scare him or shock him. He ain't going to get the first shot. Plus all the other Imperials sitting around him see that happen and they're like, well, this dude's nothing. He's not even going to, mm-hmm. just going to let him do that. <laughs> yeah, but then uh, it goes to Skurn. He's threatening the rest of them, getting all of the stuff in along with Andor kind of cutting back and forth to them too because Andor's at the ship and Skurn's at the door of the vault. And here I see Terramin is, he's still there. He's going back and forth, kind of in between, and the commandant starting to look a little ragged. His hair is getting real wet. He's starting to kind of crouch over, and actually, it doesn't look like these are. I was, I might have been wrong about the hover cards. I mean, Star Wars usually has hover cards, but apparently, they do not at this base. It looks like it's got wheels. Oh, I just got a good uh, side look at it when he was going up the uh, ramp, and I seen four wheels. I guess that kind of makes sense. If they cut the power, they'd want something that was a manual. Yeah, but I mean, even those. Things things in Star Wars, they got their own power. But I guess mm, this base just went cheap, I hope. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, this guy probably... Like, even if he was pushing a hover card, he probably would still have a heart attack because the stress and just the physical labor. Yeah. Dude's probably never been in a situation like this where he's scared for his life and his family. So yeah. he's heading for a heart attack, whether he wants it or not. He's not a frontline officer. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then uh, it goes still, they're showing him loading everything up and they're getting everything ready. Then it goes back to Orlahani uh, at their little spot where they're celebrating. And it really starts... Instead of just like one or two random meteorites coming across, this is when it really starts. You start seeing more and then more and more. And then it's almost like an Aurora Borealis kind of thing. But with meteorites, like there's hundreds of them coming at them, but arcing over their heads. And it's just green and blue, different colors, like rainbowish, kind of like in between the meteorites. It's pretty cool looking. I was like, that had to be epic because we don't have meteor showers like that. Yeah. And I mean, it just carpets the sky. And then it quickly cuts back to the ship where they're loading everything. And Terramin's now at the door with Skurn and they're both move it, move it, move it. And the Commandant comes up pushing and he's laboring with the last one, kind of shoves it in, stops. And he's standing there taking a deep breath and hears a voice behind him. And it's a guy going, you should be leaving. This should be done. And he knows the voice. And you can tell by just the face that he makes. And he slowly turns around and looks at the guy and then kind of is shuffling forward like he can't believe it. And he's just, you'll hang for this because it's Lieutenant Gorn. He decided (laughs) to come down to the hangar bay, I guess. I guess he's deciding he wants to leave and not stick around just in case or something. Something like that. Uh, he might have wanted to like he probably figured they would be gone by now and he wanted to be there to be like, oh no, what happened? And look like he cared. Yeah, but then he he's got the commandant down there. Why would you come in front of your superior if you're gonna have to stay there? Oh, there's no way Gorn ever intended to let that commandant live. He probably was gonna kill him on his uh, own. Yeah, he was probably gonna kill him. 
Because that dude was pissing him off the whole time. I think the last time he had left the room when they was talking about the older honeys, pretty bad. He he did not look happy. So you're probably right there. He was probably going to kill him no matter what. <laughs> hey, I would not have put it past Gorn to be like, you know what? This dude's dead. But they leave up to be like, he was shot in the crossfire. Yeah, they shot him <laughs> on the way out. <laughs> Then it, uh, it goes to, uh, I guess this is the Al Kinsey Air Base, and they're kind of just showing, they're showing the uh, meteorites going over, but then also that I'm guessing Kimsey at this point has got the word out to the air base and that they need some people over there to see what's going on. And so they're sending up mm-hmm. TIE fighters and you see these guys running over. Well, at least one guy, you don't see a whole lot. There's a TIE fighter kind of hanging in the hangar door and you can see the Aurora Borealis kind of like effect of the meteorites outside kind of deal in the background and see his figure running across the catwalk and jumping in to the TIE fighter and then him getting set up to leave. <laughs> Quick question about the TIE fighter. I assume the TIE fighters for, were for like planetary fighting. So could they actually like fly them inside the atmosphere? I kind of assume they wouldn't be good for that. You're right there because they're not. Oh. That's the thing that hurts the Empire a lot. Like when you see how, uh, I believe, what's his name? I can't think of the guy's name who flies the X-Wing, the newer movies. Poe? Yeah, Poe. Poe Dameron. Glad you said the first name because that triggered my memory. Poe Dameron. (laughs) (laughs) He was the X-Wing fighter, but when you see him in the atmosphere when he's fighting the TIE fighters with Han and them on the ground, and you just see him flipping around and taking one out after another, boom, 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 boom. That's pretty much what would happen in a fight with X-Wings with TIE fighters. TIE fighters are really at a disadvantage in atmosphere because of those big side wings create a lot of drag and all when they're trying to maneuver. So they can't maneuver as fast as an X-Wing that actually has like plain wings and has four of them when it gets into, you know, its battle mode and the wings separate. So it's got even more maneuverability. However, in space, the TIE fighter has a bigger advantage because then those panels don't create that drag anymore and those panels keep it powered. So it's nearly got infinite power as long as, you know, he doesn't drain it too quickly by firing a whole lot. Whereas the X-Wing is a little bit more bulkier, so it takes a little bit longer with inertia. How you have in space, you know, when something starts going, it doesn't want to stop until it hits something. Mm -hmm. So an X-Wing takes a little bit more to actually get it to turn around or get its bulk to stop. Whereas TIE Fighter, that's really minimal. A TIE Fighter has no shields. It has no uh, hyperdrive. It is pretty much just two ion engines, which are loud as hell, and they're meant to be that way, but also there's not all the other stuff on it to keep it quiet and stealthy and all of that, which also adds weight. I mean, it doesn't even have atmosphere in it, which I don't know if most people know. That's why you see these big bulky helmets on the TIE fighter pilots, and they have these little oxygen things on them, on their uh, their backs and stuff. That's why. And they also, in the TIE fighter, under the seat, have spare oxygen bottles and stuff in case they run out or if something happens to them, among other things. But there is no oxygen inside a TIE fighter. It is pretty much just a casing. All they have is dampeners so that when they make a sharp turn or something, they don't splat on the side of the thing. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That is like their only assisted stuff that they have in there for the pilot. Other than that, it's guns, navigation, <laughs> 
I didn't know any of it until I watched a, I'll have to turn you on to it, Christopher. I watched a game theory episode where they were talking about TIE fighters and they were like, they were built the most economic and fast. Exactly. And they were like, the big disadvantage they have is because they don't have the atmosphere and they have those masks and then their views on the mm-hmm. side is blocked by the wings. Yep. That that's like their big disadvantage that the other pilots take advantage of. But other than that, you know, without shields, one hit and they're down, but they're so fast, they're hard to hit. Yeah, and if they're coming at you, or if you're chasing them, which I mean, most of the time, unless you're in a big, what they call it, uh, dogfight. It's a dogfight, but what they call it all. Uh, yeah, I don't know what they call the space equivalent. Well, no, I mean it's in atmosphere, but it's like the situation where you have so many planes to where they're just spiraling in and out of one another, and you're barely missing each other. That's a dogfight. Well, no, a dogfight. It's one on one. They will call a dogfight, but there's another name for the bigger. Oh scenario kind of deal. I what they call it. It's almost like a, a something ball or something nest. I forget. Oh, I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. I always thought it the dogfight was the multiple, but no, you're right. It's the single. I think Top Gun says what that is, actually, funnily enough. Yeah, <laughs> I remember what it was, but that's where a TIE fighter would probably have less advantage, like you're saying, because of those big old panels, but if you're coming straight, you're chasing one. Yeah, you can't see it. Yeah, you're like trying to hit two lines and a little dot yeah. in the middle. <laughs> But, yeah, that's our little TIE fighter, which X-Wings are pretty hard to hit, too, that way, unless you're coming on from the side. But Yeah, but that makes sense, because that's that's completely the first thing I thought when you were, like, to getting into TIE fighters. I'm like, on interplanetary? Yeah. That sounds like it wouldn't be as good. I'm surprised they don't have beaters or some kind of land vehicle, but maybe because of the climate on this place with the fog and everything, those aren't as good. Yeah, they probably don't have. As far as I've seen, they just have the TIE fighters and these armored shuttles. I mean, they have speeders, but they're the speeders bikes i think i haven't seen any like really big vehicles i'm sure they probably got some but it don't look like this base could get them out there quick enough yes. <laughs> it's all like underground tunnels and tubes looking like like the shuttle where it's coming out of the shuttle's not like an actual uh like you would imagine a shuttle bay on a ship or something where it's got the big hatch door and it just takes off out of it and it's out mm-hmm. it's on a rail in a uh, like a tube a big concrete tube and it's running along the rail before it actually it comes out of the base. So, I mean, I don't know how deep down it is, but it, um, I imagine it's a good little ways. Oh, I wonder if it works like... So, I learned this from Daddy, which is really cool. On some of the uh, carriers, like our carriers in the Gulf, the aircraft carriers, if the runway is too short, they'll actually hook like a bungee cord to the plane and shoot it off like a slingshot. Oh, yeah. So it can get up to speed fast enough to take off. So I wonder if that's what the rail for, because they don't have a long runway. Uh, it may be, because, I mean, they don't even... I have a, a runway on this thing. This just looks like, yeah, like it's a little sling tube. It's going to shoot straight up and out of it on an angle, at least from what I can see of the tube's angle from here. Kimsey is now, he's made his way down the stairs, many, many stairs, which when they started, he tells the other guys with him, watch a step going down because it's a long way down. But then they finally get down and he shows up and sees the commandant kind of bent over and all sweaty. And he's like, is everything okay? And Lieutenant Gorn kind of snaps back to Imperial and he's like, stand down. You just walked into a, you know, a secret mission and you shouldn't be here. But the guy is looking at the commandant and the commandant kind of slouches a little bit more and he's like is everything okay commandant and then gorn starts you know slowly getting more and more forcefully to the point to where he's almost like yelling at the dude like stand down get out of here put your weapon down kind of thing you know but commandant still like he's slowly falling and then finally hand on chest kind of stiffens 
and there he goes off to the side and he's down he's done had a heart attack and at that point Kimmitz is pretty much yo something's wrong something's going on yeah so then the firefight starts (laughs) I believe he shoots first and or one of the other ones in the background I couldn't tell because I mean as soon as they they start shooting it's just flashing everywhere yeah (laughs) flashing and a lot of sparks but everybody's hiding run through real quick because it's a little bit important where they're at Nimitz is down by the loaders little sleds that are still going into the ship Andor's right outside the ship Skurn and Terramin I believe are on the like edges of the vault I think one of them is near the catwalks kind of hiding underneath it and the other one is uh he's definitely outside the ship near the vault I believe I'm not sure where Val is at this moment he was with them wasn't she because I know she was like running to them yeah I believe she was with the commander but she ran and I didn't get to see where she went and it doesn't show after that at this point it follows Andor who was sitting outside the ship the last part I seen and he runs into the ship after one of them had yelled to him to get in there you know and get it started and all he goes in guess who comes in behind him oh the big dude and was waiting underneath the staircase curled up when the firefighting started big old guy when he went to run up the staircase you could see his head kind of like almost under the staircase but to the side and he was ducked down as soon as Andor gets in he pops up goes around the railing and runs up the staircase Stairs too, with shots flying by, grabs Andor. Andor hears him coming as soon as he gets into the cockpit, but big guy don't stop. <laughs> he charges the back of the chair, grabs him by the shoulders, and yanks him back. Andor tries to go for the gun, but he just puts the rear naked chokehold on him and puts his hand behind his head, kind of deal, and it's shoving him forward so he cannot get out. And Andor is just grabbing for his arm, just trying to pull his, his elbow down so he can breathe. Because, I mean, if anyone knows how this choke goes. Oh, it's like the sleeper, kind of? Yeah, it's like the sleeper hold. It's up under your neck. And then the other hand behind, you're just pulling that to choke him off. Well, he's holding it with both hands to try to keep that elbow from choking his oxygen off. And while that's happening, Lieutenant Gorn's outside. He tries to run for the ship to get in there because the ship is not getting ready. Endor is, you know struggling with this big guy Nimitz is down behind the sled the other two are in a firefight with the other the rest of the Imperials and Val she is on I believe towards the front of the ship behind a crate kind of all pinned down and at this point Gorn gets shot he goes down it switches back to Andor and big guy has now got him I mean in like a wrestler move here I mean he's got him in a perfect chokehold while both his legs are wrapped around Andor's kind of like pulling them back to where Andor cannot move he can't move his legs he can't move his head he's got one arm trying to hold the dude's elbow from choking him off while his other arm is reaching for his blaster but as he's trying to reach it you can see in his face that it's almost too late he's starting to black out like his his mouth's wide open his eyes are glazing over and his arm just starts to kind of list back towards his body like he's no longer in control of it he's starting to pass out but then just just as that happens and he starts to roll away from the gun the big guy's rolling away Nimitz shoots the big guy and kills him and Andor is able to breathe and rolls back kind of gives the kid a look like you know save my life yeah. thank you save my ass <laughs> the kid's just like you know gives him a little nod back and then it's moving on I believe at this point it's where I don't know what happens to Terramin sounds like it is a very difficult part to make out yeah cause right here I mean 
bullets are going everywhere, and Nimitz is still behind it. Yeah, I don't know who that is he shoots. That might not be Terraman. You had thought it was Terraman because the guy he shoots is like where Terraman was standing. Yeah, I believe it's where he was standing. I mean, maybe the show is kind of bait switching you to where they want you to think it's Terraman, but it might be someone else and they're going to reveal some kind of twist later. Yeah, it jumps around so much, just like on the other part where they were coming down the trail. You would think they would be still behind them, but then they appear on the side of the road and you didn't see them move there. So it might be that kind of thing. Like maybe a Terraman actually wasn't there. It was somebody else. But yeah, there's a whole lot of shooting. I mean, the fact that they don't show Terraman go down or get on the ship means that something happened. Yeah, he, he's either dead or he's betrayed them or he was meant to stay behind, which I don't see why he would be meant to stay behind. I mean, it could totally be something where maybe he's a double agent or he's up to something. Oh, yeah. I believe that's what he just asked. Oh, they asked where Chairman was? Oh, yeah, he might have died. Because I believe the kid asked. I didn't hear that before. Like, you couldn't hear it real good, but I'm pretty sure he said, where's Terraman? And when he said, where's Terraman, it went over to Skern and Val, who were up against a, a, a beam. The side of the ship is where it loads in, and there's like a couple of ramps that come down, and there's a beam in between the ramps that folded down. Mm -hmm. And they're like hiding behind it, and it looks over at them, and Skern's face is just, his mouth's open, and like he's looking to the side like uh like i don't know what to tell you kid and the girl she's she's like immediately tries to turn away like i don't want to tell you kind of look on her face like both of them heard him clearly but they didn't want to answer <laughs> i'm real sus about that because they've made a point of showing all the other named characters die yeah like they zoom in and they show you what happened but the only people we don't see are terraman and then you said that they don't confirm that the commandant's wife and get dead like they insinuate maybe something happened, but you don't see it. Then maybe something's going on. Yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be something's going to wind up happening, but then it goes from that little mystery to they immediately have to take off. And so he shoots them out on this sled thing. And I guess it took off quicker than the rest of the team expected and they didn't get locked down. So they all, when he took off, went flying to the back of the ship. And Skern and Val made it out okay, but poor Nimic, he was still hiding, or I guess still kind of hunkered down behind the, uh, this, well, not a crate, it was, it was a pallet with the stuff on it, I guess. It was one of the hover carts with stuff on it. But when it took off, that slid towards him, who was knocked up against the wall. And when it hit, he kind of like, you see his head go forward towards it. I don't, I don't think he hit his head. He messed up something in his back and probably hip and organs and who knows what else, because that was a heavy sled. Yeah, shit, he little dude it could have just crushed him yeah like he was fake well he, he kind of moves afterward he says he can't feel his legs and i think he says he couldn't feel his arms but like he was facing it when it hit him so i mean it hit him from the front maybe the thing behind him must have been on that that caught him in the spine or something but whatever it was he can't move at this point they're dragging him like val is dragging the sled with all her might backwards and skiing pulls him out from it and he's telling him that but they put in a little sliver of video they cut to in there of a uh, back at center with still all the hostages with deals on their mouths gags so they can't talk and they're still there 
Jacinta was there, though. I thought you saw we got a shot of her, like, walking out of the room. I think she was still in a room. She may have still been in the room, but it just mainly showed them four. But then it goes back to the ship really fast, and Val is with uh, Nimic now, and they're all in the back. Endor's in the front, and he's like, I need a path. I need a path now. He doesn't know what's going on. And the kid is in the back, still kind of like, He's blinking real fast with like, I can't feel my legs. I can't feel this and stuff. And she reaches into a bag and pulls out this big old needle and goes up to him. And is like, it's a stem spike. I believe at one point he kind of like mumbles like, no, 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 no. Like he's going to say no, but she sticks him with it and puts it in him. And he's just like, uh, and you can see he kind of like, he ain't as bad hurt but what it is it's a stem spike and it's just kind of like it's like a really strong drug that if you're really bad hurt you can take this and still keep going almost to the point that you know you would you should be dead numbs you up yeah like it numbs you up and it'll keep you going yeah because i mean him sitting there going i can't hit my legs can't hit my legs he was probably about to go into shock yeah he still couldn't move because of uh the stuff so i mean it's not as good as like some of the back the stuff that they were going to probably could have probably done but i'm sure they couldn't have that on hand but they drag him up to the console behind him after the drugs because you see they take it and he kind of looks like he's almost dead like his head's just laying back his eyes almost look like they're closed but then they finally the next scene after they show the aurora deal again and the meteorites they're dragging him up there pretty much and he's holding his little navigation thing that he showed him before that was like if you practice with it you can you know how to do it you don't need the empire you can use this like more primitive navigation device which ain't very primitive it's still very technical (laughs) to navigate and so he's got that and he's trying to run through it and you can see he's kind of like he can do it but he's not all his speech is messed up and he's like straining to do what he's doing yeah he's like messed up yeah meanwhile a tie fighter is now chasing them and they're getting closer and closer to these meteorites and you can kind of see why they call it the eye because now while they're flying they're going towards what looks like a hole and all around above them kind of looks like if someone had a green greenish bluish eye like the color around it it kind of looks like that but then you got that black hole that's at the horizon of the planet that they're kind of like going towards and so that's what they're flying towards and the tie fighters behind them and they're kind of taking little rocks that are kind of scratching the glass and stuff. And Endor's telling them we don't have the speed to climb. And the kids behind them just like, climb, climb now. And, you know, kind of like straining. And it's even getting as bad as to where Endor's like, when he tells him the second time, you know, he keeps making excuses. We can't do that. We can't do that right now. Are you crazy? The kid is like, like he's trying to talk. He's moving his mouth. And then he starts to shake his head, I guess, because he figures, you know, I can't get it out. So I'm trying to tell them no. And then he finally gets it. He goes, climb, like really strains and finally gets it out. And another little crazy Easter egg with this part is that, or tragic Easter egg, is that's the same thing that uh, is told to Andor in Rogue One 
by his robot friend when they get the information out of the uh, tower and all. And the stormtroopers are breaking into the room where K-9 is. He uh, is starting to take shots and he's shooting at them and he tells Andor, climb, climb. So it's kind of the same situation. It's a little crazy. They, they set up that same little tragic deal. And so uh, he finally climbs and the, there's now three TIE fighters. Two more have joined the other one chasing him and they're shooting at him at this point and the kid still struggling tells him to dive and so he finally at this point realizes you know i've just got to listen to him so he dives yeah and the kid's telling him coordinates and everything else now numbers six five five this straining the whole time and they're taking more little rocks and hits and it's almost looking like they might not make it and even a tie fighter the closest one to them gets taken out because the rocks are just too much they don't have a shield and the rocks are too much for their thin armor and all it rips through the the glass then another one gets taken out the wing gets hit real bad i don't think they show what happened to the third one but it's like getting to the point where they're about to get through and it cuts over to the alder honeys and they're watching the whole asteroids and all happening and it's like at its culmination to where it looks like an eye it's just a little crescent of all these pretty colors and then you have a little bit of black they're just all in awe watching even the imperials they're just all watching it and there's a couple of them crying and stuff and then it cuts back to andor and he jumps out of the pilot seat and goes i need to know where we're going and he finally looks behind him and i guess kind of sees first what happens the kid's dying and uh skern is telling him that the kid needs a hospital and that she doesn't want to jeopardize the mission by stopping at this doctor that they know is at a certain place or something like that and i guess he's kind of urging andor that uh the kid needs help or he's gonna die and she don't really know what to do she's like you can tell she don't want to jeopardize the mission but she ain't gonna stop them if they do it you know kind of situation she's not ready to make those hard decisions yeah she's just like if you're gonna do it because she's watching them talk and looking at the kid and then skern's just like he's alive we can save him kind of deal and andor goes back to the driver's seat pretty much to the cockpit and he sit he sits down and he's just like what are the coordinates to the doctor kind of deal like we're going no hands it's a butts <laughs> And she's just sitting back there looking back and forth. Like she looks at Nimic, looks at them, looks back at Nimic. Like, I'm not saying nothing. Then it just immediately cuts to Nimic on the operating table. And this guy's working on this alien, pretty much uh, another species. He's working on, on him. And he has four arms. At this point, I've seen some people have given away Easter eggs that he's a new species that has four arms. But that may not be entirely true. That might be for uh, some who have just... Uh, you know, seen the movies and all that they haven't really shown in any of the movies or series four-armed guys, mm -hmm. but there are four-armed species out there. Many of them. Clone Wars has one in it, but he's not in it very long. He's in a couple of episodes and he's also a, winds up turning out to be a bad guy. He's a Jedi with four arms that uses two lightsabers like Darth Maul's, the dual-bladed kind of deal. I was immediately thinking Count Dooku, but no, he's a robot. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, Count Dooku's not a robot. Oh, who am I thinking of? The one that uses four of them? That's uh, Grievous. Okay, yeah, Grievous. He's almost like him because of the four arms and everything, but he's not a robot. He's much bigger than this forearm guy. 
Like he's a big old brute. This guy is much smaller, but there are plenty of other four-armed species out there, even in Legends. So I'm sure there's many in this one. It could be one of them, but I'm not entirely sure because he also has fitted on him one of the cybernetic deals kind of like uh, Lobot has with Landau. Mm -hmm. that kind of helps him manage all the security and all. And I'm sure this is just to help him with probably zooming in and and everything and kind of stuff with doing uh, medical treatment and everything. But he's working on him real quick, trying to do, you know, everything he can to save the kid. Val's watching over it. And uh, meanwhile, I believe both Skurn and Andor are outside. Endor is just sitting at a crate, kind of looking down like, what's going to happen to this kid? Yeah, a little worried. Yeah, this kid just saved his life. Yeah, at least more than Skurn looks. And uh, yeah, Skurn, he shows his dirtbag kind of side, I guess. And his true colors. Yeah, he, he acts as uh, Endor. You want to take a guess how much is in that uh, hauler? And he looks at him and he goes, 80 million credits and uh andor doesn't say nothing he's just he was looking down and he kind of looks up at him and then looks down and looks at the ship and i guess skurn kind of took it as he's thinking about it mm. and so skurn is like you can split it 50 50 40 million a piece and uh yeah andor keeps looking down at his hands looking up fooling with his hands and he's like don't tell me you haven't thought about it like i know of a place we can hold up leave them here take it and run that's when andor kind of leans back and he's like you know he's kind of realizing something's going down and and uh, Skurn is just like, 40-something credits is enough for me to forget all about you. And he's just like, what about, you know, the kid and all? You know, he's just like, what about him kind of deal? And Dor is just, so just leave him here? And this is where Skurn kind of makes another little mistake. He's just like, <laughs> I knew right from the beginning you were like me. Crawl over anybody to get what you have to get, you know, kind of deal. Ooh. And yeah, that's where he's wrong. Endor might do that, but he's not going to do it to kill somebody, you know, kind of thing, you know, not to hurt anybody intentionally kind of deal. And at that point, Skurn is, he's still kind of talking his game. And that's when Endor, after he had said that, Endor looks up at him and you can see in his face, he's kind of pissed. Like his lips are tight and he's looking at him like, you're a real piece of work. And all of a sudden, gun comes out, pow, and Skurn's dead. Skurn didn't even stop talking. It's like he didn't even know it was coming. It was so quick. And this, this is another little crazy meme that ought to be going around with, uh, I think I said that at the beginning of this, with being just like, yeah. Where, yeah, he's, he's just like, he definitely shot first. It wasn't a skirt. He didn't even get stopped talking. But I think we can say Skurn deserved it because he was a real, yeah. a real piece of work. And if he's done this, with the way he was saying it, and he already had it planned out, like he had a place to bring the ship and everything and all it is to meet up with people. He may have done this yeah so he may have screwed over other people and andor's probably thinking what if i hadn't agreed to come here with the kid because yeah. skarn didn't do that to save the kid he did that so he could get them get the money somewhere where he could try to get the money yeah and he's just gonna leave all of them for dead for the empire to come pick him up Shit. if he could drive the shuttle he probably would have left andor immediately oh yeah yeah if he could have drove it he'd have been gone but then uh after that that little scuffle andor decides to go in because he could have just left at that point he decides to go in and talk to Val. Unfortunately, when he goes in to talk to her, the doctor is lifting his hands up off of Nimic and pulls a blanket over him and says he's done everything he can do. Oh. And so Nimic has passed away. He is dead. Damn. And Val turns around to see Andor coming in and he's got a gun pointed at him. And so she immediately goes to, you know, like they're getting robbed. He's taking their stuff. And the doctor puts up his hands, all four, and uh, 
and and uh, she she's like, where's Skern? What have you done to Skern? And it's like, you know, trying to get Skern's attention or skiing. And uh, yeah. she's yelling for him. And he just goes, he's dead. And she just stares at him. And he's just like, he propositions for me, you know, kind of deal to leave you here for dead. And she's just like, he wouldn't do that. And Endor just staring at him, just like, you're going to have to think about that. And she's like, you disgusting bastard. And then he he's just like, you know, instead of what skiing would have probably did, he's just like, I'm just taking my cut. And he's just like, I, I'm just taking my cut. You can have the freighter and what's inside. I don't want any more. And he takes out the necklace and hands it to her that he got from uh, Lothan and tells her to return it to her friend. And he also, with the money he was getting, I didn't get to hear what he said, but I'm pretty sure he... From watching it the other times, he turns to the other guy and is like he's buying the ship out there with that money. So he's going to take that ship and just leave. Like he's he's out probably most of his share just to get out of there. <laughs> yeah. So he obviously didn't really do it for the money, but it would have been yeah. nice. And he's just done. <laughs> yeah. Like he, he kind of did it for the cause too. Like he saw it was a good thing probably. But then uh, after him telling her that, and he's like holding the gun on her the whole time. Like he's, he ain't taking no chances and he's going to back out to go to his new ship. And she tells him to wait and she takes out a little a packet with like a journal and stuff in it. And it's Nimics. And she, she tells him that he wanted, he wanted him and or to have it because of what they had talked about, I guess, and everything. And Andor's like, you know, I don't want it. And she's just stares at him straight, still handing it. It's just like, he insisted. And so he walks forward, grabs it, you know, almost the kind of thing like you can tell he only works alone and only, you know, trust himself like he slowly walks up almost like a timid kid grabs it real quick and slowly backs away gets to the door and then turns and you know he's out he's run to the ship <laughs> and uh yeah the last you see of them is she's just watching him go just staring and then it cuts from there to the people you don't see the whole episode just about back to the isb and they are in an uproar not much of an uproar like he he's telling them he wants all of them ready for a presentation by tomorrow kind of deal because they just had a heist on a planet kind of deal so they gotta figure out what's going on but then it cuts immediately from them like all of their little officers rushing to get into the building and then him talking and saying that then it cuts to the senate which you finally get to see for the first time since shoot since uh i don't think we've seen the senate in this well, not, yeah, not in this one, but like in the older movies, it's been whew, a while since Yoda fought Palpatine in uh, the third one of the prequels. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now. I believe it's Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. Oh, God, I don't remember. But uh, I've seen people say that this Senate doesn't look like that Senate. Like, these pods are different. But the pods themselves are pretty much the same. They were round pods that the senators would get in, and they would fly them out into the middle, do their speeches, and then dock back with their little stations. Now, the stations on the sides, the, the walls and the doors might have changed a little bit, but it doesn't look like like they changed a whole lot maybe the spacing i mean they probably tried to make it look good because in the yeah. old movies the cg wasn't as good as it is now yeah i mean even in the old ones you see these pods because yoda grabs one and he spins it through the air and throw it at that palpatine so <laughs> they're the same kind of little crafts just the building might look a little bit different but yeah it's it shows the senate 
where Mon Mothma is, she's trying to fight for the Gorn, who she was talking about in previous episodes with her husband and all, and he was kind of like, you know, why does everything have to be so sad and all, you know? Well, she's trying to fight for them, and she's looking around at the Senate, and there's some senators just getting up and leaving their pods and going back into the building. And she just kind of like stops and looks at her pad, I guess realizing that she's the vote's not going to happen, that no one cares. And that's where she kind of first realizes that uh, the Senate as it is is not working, and it's not it can't help the people it needs to help. So she has to do something. And I believe this is where they said that she reaches a turning point to where she she's pretty much turned rebel. Like she knows she cannot make change in the Senate, that it's going to have to come from the rebels but uh after that scene we go to Lothan who we haven't seen in a little bit especially not on this one and he's in his shop talking to a lady about this jewelry that she's picking out meanwhile a guy who's just sitting down reading the newspaper he mentions do you have anything on Aldahani and Lothan surprised kind of looks over and is like excuse me almost like he's suspicious why is a guy in here on the day of the heist asking about that but then mm-hmm. the guy he like points to the newspaper and he's like it shows here there was a rebel attack and I was just wondering if something like that and then uh Lothan's like I'll have to look see if I have something in the back and the guy was just like oh uh I was just kidding. <laughs> but Lothan walks back there all purposefully. And when he gets back there, you see his back. And then he slowly turns around and starts laughing lowly. But then gets louder and louder. And like, he just throws his hands up behind his head and is laughing. It's like, it actually happened. They completed the mission kind of deal. And he's got the relief of it happened. Nobody came and got him yet. At least not immediately. So it must have happened like it was supposed to. <laughs> and... <laughs> credits <laughs> oh cliffhanger leaves it at that bro so we don't know what happens with andor after this until the next one if he's gonna meet back up with lothan because at this point it seems like you know he's given the crystal to her and told her to give it to him to lothan so it doesn't seem like he plans on seeing lothan again like he, he's going his own way so i don't know if we'll see lothan immediately i can't blame him because he's been solo till now and the first time he's been on a team everyone died yeah he's gonna <laughs> want to be in a situation where he's he's probably gonna go on his own for a little bit like he's gonna go away and maybe look for a sister again possibly and lothan will have to try and find him and maybe work out you know, try to work on him actually becoming a rebel this time. So I'm afraid yeah. that it slows down in the next episode because we are a little bit behind. That's probably what the slowdown is going to wind up being is him working on Andor to get him to be a rebel. So it, hopefully it'll pick up again. Hopefully it won't take six episodes till 12 because I believe it's only a 12 episode series. Yeah. I mean, I will say episode three was exciting. This is episode six and it's the exciting. So I feel like if they keep this track it'll be nine and twelve yeah you know like every third episode is something exciting though i'm a little worried because it sounds like they like to make their action seeds very jump cutty yeah it's a lot of jumping around so it it can get a little bit confusing it's kind of crazy because they don't need to like this sounds like it was action heavy enough that you didn't need to do the jump cuts to make it feel more exciting yeah it just will cause confusions especially like the very rapid jump cuts yeah <laughs> i mean they could have put in you know a little bit more with the main group and then been like maybe 10 minutes earlier or something like Senta's thing hers kept being 
scattered in there, cut into little pieces of just looking at the, the family. They could have just did one of those, maybe. <laughs> yeah, what they could have done is something I think they did in Ocean's Eleven, which is another heist movie, where they split the screen. Yeah. So the scene you're on just gets shrunk to like the left side, and on the right side, it shows. It gives an update. This is what she's doing. This is what, oh God, Kimmerzy? Kimsey is doing. Like, it's like, they're still doing this. This is still happening. This is what she's doing. This is what he's doing. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's so quick. They could just show that real fast down there, but stay with the main group. But, yeah. Yeah. But, yes, it did Andor. Yeah. So, it kind of cuts on, like, a, I say a cliffhanger, but not really. It just kind of cuts, and you don't know what's going to happen next, because yeah. only two people survived. Three people survived. Uh, Val. Val. Oh, yeah. Val, Senta. Senta, and, and yeah. maybe Tamron. Cameron, yeah, didn't make it because they said in the ship that, yeah, when they gave, when he said, where's Tamarin? And they like gave him a look. So he, he probably died. So yeah, it's probably just the three. I mean, I'm still up in the air about it because yeah. everyone who died, you saw it. Like, it sounds like every death that happened, happened on screen, except Tamarin. Yeah. And the family of the senator. So who knows? I mean, crazy twist. He could have grabbed the family and ran off world with them. We don't, yeah. we don't really know. Anyone seen him? Let us know. We're looking for Tamron. He's lost. <laughs> Where are you, Tamron? We'll put up the missing posters and the milk cartons. Yeah. Where's Tamron? So do you like where it's going so far? Like you get got your little excitement build up. It's still, yeah, it's still got me hooked. I can't wait to watch the next one. I am sad Nimic died. I, I liked his character. Yeah, yeah. Nimic was a pretty good character. I wish they'd have kept him, but uh, they had to have their little their tragedy. And I figured, I figured it was either going to be either that one or maybe Senta, but they didn't really build up a lot on Senta for you to feel for her if she died. Yeah. She's such a hard ass. But on the other hand, Nimic, I should have known because they did do a lot with him. Like you got to hear a lot of his philosophy and what he thinks about the rebels and everything. Yeah. I wonder if they're trying to do something like with Game of Thrones where you're like, oh, everyone could die. You know, other than obviously Andor, anyone could die at any moment. Yeah. Stay tuned for who goes next. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We lost like Five or six people in one episode, though those are, well, I can't say those are the only deaths because I think, you know, a bunch of nameless people died in episode three with the shooting out there. Oh. And the girl's boyfriend, uh, Bix's boyfriend? Oh, what was his name? Um. Tim? No, it can't be Tim. It's not Star Wars enough. <laughs> Wait, was it Tim? <laughs> no, I don't think it was. Hold on, I, God, I can't remember. Like, I don't know why, but I keep thinking Tim, but that's not a Star Wars enough name. I tried to find my little Star Wars thing, but I can't. Oh, here we go. It, it <laughs> is. Uh, we got Kathy and Val. Oh, wait, no, that's not the right one. This does it. No, up here. I know it's, it was Bix's boyfriend. I remember that. You died in infamy, Bix's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> we have already forgotten you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I. Oh, damn it. Where is... Yeah, I don't have him on my list thing. I'm curious now because, like, I swear his name is Tim and that can't be right. <laughs> oh, here it is. Oh, it is. You are right. It's, it's Tim. Tim? Oh, what? <laughs> Fuck yeah. It's T-I-M-M. -M, Tim. <laughs> Tim Carno. They Star Wars it out by spelling it wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> they couldn't be even simple. Can't believe I knew his name. I'm like, it was Tim, no, right? No, I can't be it. <laughs> I remembered you, Tam. I remembered you. <laughs> <laughs> you were remembered. 
The poor guy. <laughs> he only had like one or two episodes. Oh no, he made it to the third. Yeah. He... Well, he made it to the third, but I think he like was barely in the episodes. Like his character arc was dude dating Bix might have ratted out and or died being stupid. Yeah. Died when he should have stopped when he was told to stop by man with gun. <laughs> mm-hmm. Died by running at man with gum after warning. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that concludes our uh, well, our run through of episode uh six. Were there any Easter eggs you wanted to point out? Because I know we talked about one. I caught most. Oh, there, there was just one that I know I forgot was the uh, the Force Unleashed. His armor shows up again in this one supposedly. I didn't see it, but it's probably right there at the end when uh, he goes into his back room. Mm-hmm. They show a good bit of it because they kind of show the front of him, and then it flips and shows the back whenever he's coming in and out. So you see the back of the room, and then you'll see the hallway coming into it so it's probably there i just i keep forgetting to look for it <laughs> yeah and it's probably like one of those things where it's a bunch of stuff so you have to find that one thing in the foreground or background yeah because his back office is just filled with little knickknacks and stuff but yeah all right yeah well check us out next week we'll be back with another episode of andor yeah maybe i'll uh, go crazy and try to edit two of them so we can sort of catch up again but yeah, no. <laughs> rush. yeah so follow like uh, you want to check us out playing games? Check out Dark Odin Gaming on YouTube. And we'll see you guys later. Take it easy. Later. Yes. <laughs> oh, <whoa. laughs>